there, and welcome to another edition of the 1% Better Podcast with your host, Rob O'Donoghue. Hey folks, welcome to another Thursday release of the podcast, and I'm delighted to be talking out loud onto this microphone into your ears, which uh, is a pleasure and a privilege, and I'm glad you're hearing this. So it's a long weekend in Ireland. It's a bank holiday weekend and effectively all our banks are closed and all our offices are closed as well, which is wonderful. A day extra, a day extra potentially for you to check out this podcast if you're Irish, uh, maybe even check out one of the previous ones like the one we did last week with Madeleine Black, perhaps, or one of the others. And if you're not Irish, if you're listening to it from somewhere else, Uh, Maybe just listen to it on the Monday anyway. Why not? Or the Sunday or the Friday or whenever. But it's a new episode and it's one I'm looking forward to sharing with you guys. In the last week, I released a one minute Monday video and that was done in slight pain. I pulled some, some sort of muscles in the back of my neck last week. The pain was actually so severe and I don't remember doing anything specific, but it just seized up and I... I couldn't move my head more than a degree either way. It was very difficult driving to the doctors, I must say. And uh, thankfully, it was all safe and secure. Nothing bad happened. But my doctor gave me some good drugs, a concoction of uh, pills, and they worked. They helped me, uh, my muscles in my neck and all around there relax and feel better. So I actually recorded the one minute Monday video probably under the influence of some of those. It was all around the topic of value, something that's been coming up for me for a while. It's always been there but much more important of late because every time I put out something, every time I release a video or a post, I I do a value check to say is this worth doing? Will somebody maybe get something from it? That's why I kind of do it and hopefully it's working. Some nice comments in the last week. I've just recorded a podcast tonight, actually, that'll be coming out in a few weeks, and we talked about that topic of value. So check that one out. Hopefully it's something you enjoy, and uh, as always, it's less than a minute or just about a minute. There you go. Last week's episode was with Madeleine Black, and wow, what an episode that was. Being honest, I was nervous putting it out because I certainly had never talked to a guest before around rape sexual violence and it was a tough for me a tough topic to talk about thankfully it has been well received madeleine was very supportive during the the podcast and uh, obviously ever since and thanks to her for really helping me promote it and put it out there if you haven't listened to it please do it's ultimately a story of hope and optimism and freedom and forgiveness and definitely worth a listen and uh, let me know what you think of it a couple of quick ones i'm doing a solo show i promised that in the next couple of weeks so keep your questions coming in there i do offer a few hours a month pro bono coaching uh, i've mentioned that at the end of all my episodes so if somebody wants to talk about a podcast, how to put it together or work challenges or a change in career, get in touch because I have a couple of hours every month that I want to uh, and get to give that back to listeners. So yeah, get in touch. Lots of ways to do that through the socials and through my email address, which are pretty much all over the website. And it's a genuine offer. So please do it. The 864, I know you've mentioned this so many times i'm close uh we're nearly in june which i can't believe and i promised a mid-june release there so i'm going to record a intro episode for that 
and then release a number of episodes either on the same day or over the course of a week so that you can really get your teeth into it and see if it's something you like as soon as i have uh, the intro episode up it'll be on itunes as well and on my website uh, hopefully you can start subscribing and getting a sense of what it's all about it's going to be shorter it's under the 15 minute mark i'll explain all in the intro show so on to this week's episode and it is with steve lennox so steve lennox is a consultant he has a company called lennox consulting and that's lennox with just one n he is based in the u.s but also has an office in cork uh, an office in new york new jersey and he connected with me last year we traded some emails and it was somebody i wanted to talk to because of his irish american linkage and the work that he does in his consulting business he's also the president of the irish network usa which is an umbrella organization integrating irish networks that exists across cities in the u.s up and around 20 chapters i believe at this stage and for the most part of our conversation communication community and connecting people are pervasive run right through it that's really what steve can really bring to the table he's a excellent communicator he connects people he loves to give back and create value for businesses and for individuals yeah it was a really interesting conversation we had it here in my little office slash studio just before st patrick's day and around that time steve's consulting company had released a survey around st patrick's day and the irish and american connection around that and how it's still very strong so that was quite interesting too i think you'll really enjoy listening to the conversation and hopefully there's some nuggets in there i'm somebody that always says communication is the most important skill or competency that you could have and that you can use for benefit for value and i think steve is probably of the same opinion and i think that will come across from the little podcast that i am sharing with you guys now as always please subscribe please enjoy and yeah i've actually managed to get this far without talking about gdpr which is now in place and those of you that get my newsletter are those that have signed up thank you for that without further ado here is the conversation with steve lennox enjoy and have a great weekend in brackets long weekend thank you bye hey folks welcome to another episode of the one percent better podcast and i am recording from the studio this evening which is a, a rare treat and uh, i'm delighted to be talking with steve lennox of lennox consulting Le- steve welcome to the show thank you rob thanks for having me here i was doing some research last night steve trying to pick into a few areas that i could uh, the first thing i noticed you only, only have one n in your in only your one n not related to the chippers <laughs> i was i was wondering uh why i couldn't find you first off and i was looking there's a few co- good things i'd like to talk about um certainly fascinated about your own personal story being a dual citizen mm-hmm. uh, i'd like to know a little bit about that um i noticed you tweeted a couple of things in the, in the last week or so one is around a, a survey that, that you yep. did through your consulting company around st patrick's day and as we're recording this close to st patrick's day although it'll be released a little bit after it'll be nice to, to get some insights out of that um i did notice you saying you were gutted uh, to be missing south by southwest this week was that that's something you attend on a regular basis? South by Southwest, I've attended uh, 
probably four of the last five years or so. Okay. It's, it's an exciting event. If you haven't been to Austin, you have to see the city first of all. Right. But to be there during South by Southwest with some of these, uh, you know, folks like the Taoiseach speaking, mm. some of these product launches they do down there, the ingenuity that they show, um, the excitement, the passion for for the new products. Mm. It's, it's, it's just an, it's a sight to behold. I mean, cool. all these folks come together with this great excitement for building something new. Right. And and is, is there a music festival tied into that sure, as well? Sure, yeah. It starts with the technology festival, then it right. moves into the music and the film. Yeah. I've only been there for the technology side. Okay. Sounds sounds like somewhere next year, maybe. We can Absolutely. meet up next year and do a Absolutely. second podcast yeah, there. Robert the Green from Austin. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Steve, tell me a little bit about your, your backstory, because I am fascinated to know about the dual citizenship sure. and... You know, not not everybody I interview have offices in Cork and New York and New Jersey. So yeah. I'd like to know a little bit more about about that. Sure. Well, I, I had the good sense of marrying a Cork woman, and we've been married almost sixteen years now. Right. So my my own Irish background kind of goes several generations back, like a lot of Americans that that we'll talk about. Mm. Uh, being Irish or Irish American was never something we thought about growing up. In fact, I'd say we probably considered ourselves more German than oh, anything. Okay. Uh, but but I married a, a Cork woman. I found her over in New Jersey. Right. Where she found me, as the case may be. Mm-hmm. We were working together when she was doing her year abroad. Right. She brought me back here to Ireland. Okay. And that was back in 1998 when I did a semester in Galway. Okay. I was actually went to college in the, Galway as well. Beautiful so city links. as well. It did, is, yeah. Did a great semester there. Loved the city. Uh, and then we started doing the the dating back and forth, and we got married over in the states. Okay, we had our first couple boys, our first two children in the states. Right. Uh, I took a job in two thousand seven where I was going to be working for a U.S. senator. Right. Going to serve as his state director, a gentleman yeah. named Frank Lautenberg. Yeah. Who was a very prominent U.S. senator, longest serving from New Jersey. Okay. And we were going into a re-election year, and if you follow U.S. politics at all, you know politics is a full time business. Sure. So we sort of knew it was going to be a time when. I'd be putting in 15, 20 hour days for, for 10, 11 months. Whoa. And Eve had always had this interest in moving back to Ireland. It was time to bring the boys back here to experience some of what she did growing up. Okay. So they came back here and it stuck for them. Right. They've been here since. My wife is well established here with her business and other work that she does. Okay. We now have three boys. They're well established here, established here in school. Right. I've since launched my own business back in 2010. Mm-hmm. And the nature of my work, which I'm sure we'll talk about, yeah. allows me to do the travel. As long as we're connected with the, the Wi-Fi and the iPhones and the iPads, I'm connected to my clients wherever I am. So okay. it allows me to do, do travel back and forth. Right. And also have clients on both sides of the ocean. Okay. Very cool. So that was... I, like I didn't realize that you would. Uh, I thought there might have been some Irish in your background. That's where the the dual citizenship might have even came no. from. But but you your first experience of Ireland was it in 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 Galway? It was in Galway. It was uh, fall of ninety seven when, like I said, my wife and I had just started dating, and she mm. had to come back here and finish school. Right. So I did a few quick weekends over just to to so, visit. Right. Okay. And then it, it took the second semester when I I visited and, and spent the four solid months here. Okay. And it's been back and forth ever since. Now, obviously, most of the time is spent here in Cork yeah. with Eve and the boys living up in Mount Oval full time. Okay. Um, you know, it's a wonderful part of the world and it's it's been a very welcoming city for me and a yeah. very cosmopolitan city you're and no shortage of Americans. True. No shortage. And you're embracing it with the, the beautiful Cork, uh, Cork <laughs> top on you. Cork on there. Got to fit in. Exactly. Um, well, I'm a blow in as well. I'm not from Cork either, but <laughs> yeah. I'm from, from Longford, but I'm, yeah. I'm here 10 years, so I think I'm almost part of the uh the establishment at this point what did you study in in Galway or where, what did you have as a kind of a, a career goal in even those early years and that brought you there yeah you know it's funny I, I wouldn't say I necessarily had a career goal I'd sort of been bouncing my way through college I started in in what we'd call the county college in New Jersey right and I finished my two-year degree in just a general studies sort of program 
Then I transferred down to Rutgers University, which would be the state university, and just did my first semester. Then I came over here to Galway, and I did what most uh, students would do that are traveling over the study abroad. I did the Irish history, the Irish politics, those sorts of classes. Hmm. What ended up happening when I went back, the uh, counselor sat me down and said, you know, you're through four years of college here, you need to pick a major. Right. And I just sort of found myself having almost finished a history major and a political science minor. Right. So obviously that's where my interests were. So that's what I finished up with in college. From a career perspective, again, it actually comes from Ireland. My wife's uncle was a wonderful uh, gentleman from Limerick, a guy named uh, Robert Kelly. And he was actually the county manager of Limerick at the time, okay. which is sister cities with New Brunswick, New Jersey. Right. So when I was traveling uh, back to finish college, he said, you should really get to know the mayor of New Brunswick. And that was sort of my first networking experience as well. You okay. know, somebody introduced me to somebody else. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so from there, it ended up in an internship in the mayor's office in a city of about 50,000 people. Right. And that's really where my career took off from. It takes off yeah. from there. And like I know in your consultancy business that you have business development, public affairs, legislative advocacy and digital strategy. It's, it's kind of a... a a strange or unique mix of, of skills? It, it, it may sound like that, but it all comes back to communicating. Yeah. How do we communicate with people? How do we develop a message and deliver a message in a coherent way, mm. in a way that makes sense, not just for the client that we're developing it for, but for the end user, the people that we need to get the message out to. Mm. So whether we're talking about getting a piece of legislation passed through 120 lawmakers or getting something done in a, in a small town through a municipal council, or getting a contract approved. Yeah. It's all how you talk to people. Yeah. yeah how you yeah. can connect with someone and, and build that relationship that becomes something meaningful. Hmm. So, and it's interesting, another, when I look at your bio um, and a lot of things you're involved in, community seems to be very important to you. Absolutely. And obviously that's a spin-off to communication. There's Absolutely. a type yeah. tie, tie into that. Was it, were you always a natural communicator? Were you always somebody that just had that in you? I think so. I think looking back, it is probably something, um, I was always well able to talk to people. Uh, Maybe a bit shy. Gift of the gab. I think I always had the gift of the gab. It wasn't something I exercised maybe too often. I I wasn't the sort of person who was ever on stage growing up. Right. um, Other than, you know, having to do those Christmas concert sort of things that we all do. Yeah. Uh, But I think I always had the mannerisms that were necessary Right. I worked in retail from the time I was 12 years old. So, you, you know, you always sort of learn how to talk to people and figure out how to work the next deal. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think the communications is, is key to it all. Yeah, but I think that still would have to be probably an innate skill. Yes, in some I ways. think so. Or it's, you can learn, but I think if you have it naturally, you're it's, it's helpful to, to have it naturally. There's, there's, I think there's things you can practice and there's, there's not so much skills that you learn, but, you know, little aspects of it that you learn along the way. You know, certain things aren't going to work certain people you're just not going to connect to. Mm. And you start to figure these things out as, as you progress through your career, or, or maybe it comes with age as well. You yeah. know, not everything's going to go exactly the way you want it to. Not everything's going to work off script. Sure, It's being able to see what went wrong and adapt to it and move in a different direction. Okay. So when you became the, you, you were supporting the the role of state director for New Jersey's senior U.S. senator. Mm-hmm. That, that's what I had written yep. there. So, so what, what was involved in sure. that role? Like so, a, kind of a, yeah, a day so in the life? Or... Se- senator Lautenberg was, uh, like I said, he was, a, he was a wonderful man. He was a, a great networker himself. And he had a tremendous story to tell, which always helps when you're working with someone like that. This was a guy who grew up uh, poor, as, as he would say, in Patterson, New Jersey. And he, he worked his way up. He went off and he fought in, I guess it would have been World War II. Came back, went to college through the GI Bill. Yeah. Started ADP, which is a very well-known company now. Biggest payroll provider, I'd say, 
across the globe, probably. Right. And he retired from there in about 1980 and decided he wanted to continue to give back. He wanted to serve in some way. So he became U.S. Senator. He fought for it, and he got to be U.S. Senator. He served straight up until 2000, retired for a couple of years, had the chance to come back to start serving the people again. Wow. Now you go all the way forward to 2007, and the position came open. Uh, and I was in a position where I was able to win that job over some other very qualified people. To the question itself, that job really meant uh, running his office on a day-to-day basis. Mm. A U.S. senator would be based both in their home state as well as in Washington. Mm. The legislative activity happens in Washington, D.C. The more political-type activity, the community uh, activity, the grassroots sort of work, the being out talking to the organizations that are trying to affect certain legislation, that would have been my job in New Jersey, so helping to manage that operation. We had a staff of about 20 in New Jersey that would have worked with me. Um, And it was everything from constituent relations, you know, just writing letters to people, to organizing events, to helping them get their social security checks, to Mm. getting him in the local newspapers. I was with him a lot. If he was in New Jersey, I was typically at his side, traveling from event to event with him. So he was obviously a big influence. A big he was a huge influence. Yeah. Again, he was just he was a genuinely good guy. He just he wanted to serve people. He never forgot where he came from. Um, he took good care of us. Um, he imparted a lot of wisdom on all of us too. I think, and he liked teaching us. Right. Which which was great. And was his style very natural in the way he taught, or was there? structure to it i I think maybe his style would have been too natural some might say okay i think we tried to structure him at times you know the important part of politics at times is making sure you're saying the right thing at the right time Mm. senator lautenberg was very gifted at saying what he believed was right and he was going to say it when he wanted to say it which isn't always the most popular thing to do in politics okay uh but he was uh he was very sure of what he was trying to do for new jersey he knew he was doing the right thing Mm. i don't think there was a bad bone in his body Mm. And, and that's the way he served for all those years. And that's what he imparted onto his staff. That's how he wanted us to serve. He wanted us out there doing the right thing for New Jersey every single day. Right. So was politics something in your mind in a growing up age that this is, a, you know, like personally, like politics was probably not anything I was that interested in until I got maybe into my late 20s or, or 30s or, you know, around the last yeah, 10 it, years it, or so. Yeah, Rob, you know, it, it's funny. It's It's, again, it's not something I necessarily thought about a lot growing up. I do have memories of being out with my grandmother when I was probably eight or 10 years old and, and we were giving out some sort of leaflets for some campaign. And as I went into college, I've, I've told this story that I was taking a political science class and there was a particular party leader that was coming to our class, a gentleman named Tom Gillen, good Irish American. And uh, I called my father and I said, who is this guy? And, and he sort of said, well, you know, tell him who Nana was, who your grandmother was. And I remember going up to him and I said, Mr. Gillen, I said, I think you knew my grandmother. And he connected immediately. And it turned out my grandmother would have been a sort of mentor to this generation of, of leaders out of that part of New Jersey. Right. So when you talk about, did I have it in me? I guess yeah. maybe it is something that was in me. Mm. And then you push it forward to, as I mentioned, my wife's uncle, yeah. who put me back into the middle of politics. And it just progressed from there. Right. So maybe there was that that kernel inside of me that that needed a little bit of watering to grow. Yeah, because one of the questions I do like to ask people is, is early memories in their you know, what, when 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 I asked that, what what does that evoke for you? You mentioned that early enough memory, and then it's trying to connect. Is there anything in that early memory that 
turns out something you've been doing later in life and it's strange sometimes it does seem to to come up was there any other kind of early thoughts that come into mind when i asked that question i I remember my godmother talking to her as i was growing up talking about what i wanted to be when i grew up and and i think somewhere along the way politician probably did come into it again because i always had this i think natural skill of communicating with people yeah and i always remember my godmother saying uh you don't want to be a politician you want to be a statesman so uh, that's something that stuck with me all these years as well and I'm a long way from that. And I don't know if she ever even remembers telling me that all those many years ago. But that is something that stuck with me. Okay. So a statesman in, in the Irish sense is, is what, is that like a ministerial type role or do you? Well, I think, I think when, when you say statesman, I think we mean more of a, um, the reputation you develop, the record okay. you've developed for yourself. Right. You know, a politician yeah. is someone who comes and goes and, and is maybe in it for their own Okay. Self-aggrandizement, maybe. Right, right. Senator right. Lautenberg is somebody I would very much consider a statesman. I mean, he left a mark on New Jersey. Okay. John F. Kennedy is a statesman. Right, right, right. Donald okay. Trump has not earned the status of statesman. <laughs> okay. We, uh, we don't need to get we, too we deep get, into the politics. We, we get but. <laughs> there soon enough with uh, Mr. Trump. But, um, okay, no, that's that's interesting. Like, so statesman, is that... Is that an American term, I wonder? Like, I, I would hear it. And when you it hear it, an American it, term. It, it evokes somebody that does the right thing and is is viewed upon by everybody as not regal regal is coming up but it's not really but it's just a proper decent kind a man of or a woman that's yeah. earned some respect that's built a yeah. reputation of themselves that's that serve the community properly serve the public properly yeah uh, really taken on the idea that you are a public servant when you're an elected official hmm. is that a vision or a goal so you would have for yourself Running for office is something I think I would enjoy doing. And my wife and I talk about this a lot. Of course, we've got this different situation with the dual citizenship and the dual residency. Uh, I'm happy doing what I do, helping other people run for office. I enjoy talking to people. I do think I'd enjoy the idea of being a candidate. I don't know that I'd necessarily like to serve. You know, we watch what happens in Senate. We watch what happens on a city council. You see what happens here in Dublin. And it's a lot of yelling back and forth at each other yeah, and getting yeah, yeah. very little done. Yeah. So I think I'm, I'm happy with the role that I've taken now where I'm sort of helping people navigate their way mm. through the process. Okay, interesting. Last, in the season one, I interviewed uh, an ex-Lord Mayor of Dublin. Um, you should maybe check check that out because we talked about his role as Lord Mayor. Um, and he's, he's now running for... Um, uh, running for a ministerial position in, in Dublin. So it sounds like you were enjoying what you were doing in that role and subsequent roles within mm-hmm. the um, within the New Jersey legislature, I suppose. But from reading again your, your path, there was a point where you realised you couldn't keep this going with your 20-hour days and, and have a, a proper family life going as well. Yeah, I think there's a few. I, I've always been very lucky. I've enjoyed all of my jobs, whether it's starting in the mayor's office in New Brunswick, right up through the senator's office out of Newark. I've enjoyed those roles. I think it got to the point where I had the, the family, obviously, I had to get over here more and more. Yeah. And working a full time job isn't conducive to, you know, in America, we don't get the time off. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. and I was lucky working for government that I had some time off. Right. But it wasn't as flexible as I needed you to be. You wouldn't be able to work remotely. You have to physically be in no, the you have to be there. You have to be like, with the yeah. principal. You have to be with the person you're working for. Yeah. So I was able to go out and I, I kind of took the entrepreneurial leap and I said, okay, I'm, I'm ready to go out on my own. Right. And that's the natural progression, I think, from a job like that. You either go out and you start your own firm, your own shop, mm. or you go into a bigger lobbying firm, a bigger PR firm. Right. And I said, with everything I've got going on, with wanting to create this transatlantic business relationship, with having my family overseas, I needed to be on my own to have the flexibility. Right. So that's that's what I did. Okay. So that decision, 
how, how long were you kind of jumping over and back on that? And obviously for anyone leaving a job to go out on their own, even though you've probably built up a good network and whatnot, you don't really know how it's going to play out until you get out there. Talk me through the the decision or the, you know, the voice inside your head that was screaming. You, you, know? you don't know until you get out there. That's exactly right. And working for the government, working for the Senate, you've got certain ethics rules that you have to be following. There mm. couldn't be any deals in place. I couldn't walk out of the Senate job and the next day have contracts yeah. in place. Just couldn't be having those conversations. Yeah, 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 so yeah. I think I was confident enough in myself and in my ability and more importantly in the relationship I developed that I'd be able to go out and I'd get the work that I needed to get. Right. I was very lucky to have uh, a, a mentor Uh, a friend named Ed Farmer who was very kind and he gave me some of the support that I needed to cover me for a couple months and really give me the opportunity to get out there and and build what I needed to build and and he's been helpful for all these years as well so you need somebody like that I think when you're taking the leap I also had a very supportive wife I mean that's that's probably the most important Aoife was very supportive of me Mm. taking the shot and, and doing it and it's it's worked knock on wood eight years later it's it's not easy yeah yeah. you know think those sorts of things never change yeah you you think there's a contract coming that doesn't come something that's been great disappears and you Mm. just have to constantly be working hustling as as we might say and keeping at it yeah 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 gary v type stuff there if you get mr vaynerchuk but when so when you went from that kind of safe quote-unquote job in the in the government to stepping out and as you said chasing down leads were those skills that you had to have i suppose to try and sell and and market yourself and hustle had you got those as well innately did did you develop those in your previous roles or or where did they come from to you know help you become successful i think the skill that i probably had that helped me the most way back in 2010 and and still to this day is just not giving up right you know things aren't going to happen overnight relationships take a long time to percolate Mm. Uh, the the benefits of them don't always come quickly but as as I, I think I heard Samantha Kelly say when I was listening to her podcast today, until somebody says no, the answer is not no. Yeah, so you yeah. keep on trying and you keep on pushing. Yeah. And you have to sort of keep that wisdom inside you and you can't let yourself get down. You've got to understand another opportunity is always going to come. I've always worked with the, op- the theory that I don't need everything anyway. I only need enough to support my family, to have a nice life. And we have that. Mm-hmm. We may not have everything, but we have everything we need. Yeah. And that's at the end of the day, that's the most important piece of it. Cool. No, it's good. Good to hear. Um, th- setting up originally the offices in New Jersey, and you're you'll be coming over and back to building up the office here. How I suppose how has the approach to sell yourself in, on both sides of the Atlantic developed or or worked out? Was it just organic? It was organic. It's just the fact that I'm here so often and that I have this desire to network and meet people. Yeah. And so I'd be over here so often anyway. I'd go out and I'd be doing these meetings. Mm. And people are very kind. People are very willing to give their time to have a conversation. You know, guys like Dennis Collins, who we talked about before. Dennis was great to give me a few minutes years and years ago. Right. Uh, there was a gentleman, a Pfizer, whose name I'm forgetting and I shouldn't be, but he was one of the top guys at the Pfizer plant down in Ring of Skitty. Right. And I emailed him out of the blue one day, and he was more than happy to give me a half hour of his time and, and give me a little bit of advice. The Chamber of Commerce here, Connor Healy, is, has been a wonderful friend and somebody who's given me a lot of good advice. I've worked with folks in Dublin. It's just getting out there and talking to people. The networking skill, the desire to talk to people and build a relationship that matters and can then produce something is is, is, is what it takes. And a lot of luck. I mean, we gotta got to hit yeah. on that too. A lot of luck and a lot of sort of sweat equity you might call it a lot of maybe elbow grease a lot of pressing the flesh but yeah it you have to make it happen for yourself right was there a point at which you realized things were going to start 
working out or I know you probably never become complacent in it because I'd imagine if you you know take your foot off the gas and think you've met it it, it can probably somebody else is going to come in behind you but is there a point where you said yeah now is actually I'm feeling things are working out for me here like did you get those standout breakthrough customers quite quickly anything come up when you think of that I, I, I got a couple clients that came on pretty quickly and, and helped me sort of make sure that monthly paycheck was coming in hmm. and when you go into it with the idea that all I need to do is pay myself and cover my expenses I remember getting to the point where I had to bring on my first employee, and that was a big deal. Now, yeah. hiring is a little bit different in the States. There's a bit more flexibility than there is here. It's not quite as big a commitment there. Um, but no, I, I was excited to get those clients, and I also was disappointed a few times when clients didn't come through that I was sure would come through. Mm. You know, Eight years later, I'm still knocking on some of the same doors I started on eight years ago, Yeah, but I'm, I'm determined to, to get yeah. those clients. So I, I've, I've been able to... I, I think I, I put in enough time and enough hours and I'm committed enough en- enough to my clients that I know I can produce what they want me to produce. Mm. And I've been very lucky with my clients. I've got wonderful clients that I work with. They're mm. very generous. They're very understanding of my travel. They know they can always find me 24 hours a day, that phone. I'm on it if they need me to be. Yeah. And I, I prefer to have those long-term clients and build up those relationships over time yeah, yeah. as opposed to going through that cost of, of bringing on new clients that having to develop those new working relationships yeah no just from talking to you and i know we only met for the first time tonight i can see the authenticity in you and it's not like you know you're not i can't imagine you trying to be selling something that you didn't genuinely believe that you could help the person in so that's always good to to come across so that probably is a good sign well i think i think in this business what in what i do what i'm really selling is myself Mm. and i'm selling my reputation yeah and if and if i let that go astray I'm never going to recover. Yeah. So I need to be authentic, not just to myself, but to my clients. And mm. I need to deliver. Yeah. You know? I like the question of core values, something I've gone through a lot of reflection on and I ask people on it, like what would be your set of core values that you are most important to you? Honesty, I think it's the most important one. Mm. Trust. Um, I don't know if hard work is a, is a value necessary, it but is. hard work and commitment. I but I think really what comes down to is, is trust. Loyalty is a huge commitment. And that's something we talk about a lot in, in the world of, of public relations consulting. The fact that I'm loyal to my clients and they know when they need me, no matter what happens, good or bad, I'm going to be there for them and I'm going to have their back. I'm going to defend them and I'm going to help them get through the dark days of whatever it is they're dealing with. That kind of gets into the crisis management piece of the job. Hmm. But trust, loyalty, hard work. Yeah. Would freedom be one? Do you love the freedom? Of- I, I do like the freedom. Yeah, I, I do like the idea that I'm not stuck in an office all day long. I like the idea that I can bounce from place to place. I'm one of these people that I enjoy having energy around me. So, you know, I don't work out of an office. I may work out of the Starbucks. I may work out of the shopping mall across the street. Yeah. I know where the good Wi-Fi is. Yeah. I don't want to necessarily be talking to people all day, yeah. but I like having them around me because I sort yeah. of feed off that. And that sort of, I think, gives me the energy I need mm. to do the work. And I like being able to say, okay, I'm going to pack up my bags now and move on to the next thing. Yeah, and this yeah. is where I'm going to work now. Right. I love the fact that I can get on an airplane and fly over here. And just as I've worked out of Starbucks over there in Caldwell, New Jersey, yeah. I can work out of the Starbucks in Mountain Point. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, and the uh, the freedom question one that I ponder over, and I, I've talked to others about it, and they said maybe not freedom. And the word that came up then is the control. Do you, you see? Is there is there a, a, a control? Oh, thing? I absolutely have a, an issue with control for sure. <laughs> that's that's something uh, that's something Eva, my my wife, would would talk about a lot. I I do like to control things, and that's something I've I've tried to work on. 
I, I have tried to accept the fact that my way is not always the right way. Right. And that is a hard management thing to grasp. I have a certain way. I like doing things. I have a certain way of presenting myself. When I've hired people, I want them to present that same image. I have okay. a certain way. I like writing things and delivering things. But I, I do recognize my way is not the best way all the time. It's not always the right way. Hmm. So you sometimes do have to give up that freedom or give up that control right. to get to the the greater the greater good or to get to the end uh, spot you want to be at. Okay, cool. I actually, it's funny, I, I interviewed a guy just on Monday on Skype. Uh, his name is Mike Mikalovich. Okay. He's, uh, he's, he's from New Jersey. Boonton, I think it's the name. That's very close to me, actually. Um, he's an author, and uh, he has a, he's a he's his own business. He's finance. He's a book called Profit First. He actually had a TV show in the US as well. He, he was quite a big guest to get. Um, oh. It's for this other spinoff show, and his one of his books was called Profit First, and that was all about setting up your own business. The most important thing is take profit at the start, because that's the the most essential thing to keep it going. What did, I suppose, in your early stages, did you learn around running a business as the most important two or three things? Because that's, I think, very key for people potentially listening. I haven't always made the best business decisions. I think I'd, I'd be the first to say. Right. Again, I've always gone with the theory that I only need what I need. I don't need every contract. I don't need to to grab up every dollar that's out there. I'm happy to leave something on the table if that means building a better relationship. Okay. And that takes some that takes some doing. So we're all naturally inclined to profit first, take the money, right. and run. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I may disagree a little bit with with his strategy there, though. Mm. Um, and that's fine. It doesn't mean he's I'm, right. I'm sure. No, I'm, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. I'm sure he's a very wise man, and and he's a neighbor there in Bootman, so maybe I have to find a way to meet him. You should do, yeah. But, yeah, uh, absolutely. But it was just interesting from the, the kind of same part of the world and um, similar discussion points around around starting a, a business. What are the the things you've learned most? I suppose in the few so eight years now is it eight years? It's nine been years? eight years. Eight yeah. years yeah. in in the running your own business. That what you know now, if you know known at the start, what kind of comes up? I I think I've really learned more and more, and I've, I've hit on this a couple of times already. That you're you're not going to get every contract. Everything's not going to happen exactly the way you want it to. Things are gonna are gonna bob and weave, and they're sometimes going to be out of your control. Uh, but your ability to bring them back under control and and and, and accomplish what you set out to do is important to never give up. Always keep your eye on the prize. Always keep the client in mind first, you know, client first there. What the client expects has got to come for. I've got to put their needs before my own needs. Mm. And that's, that's a tough dance to do sometimes. Sometimes you're working for a client and something better may come along, but it's at the detriment to that client. Yeah. And, and I believe you got to stick, you know, dance with the one that brought you sort of thing. Yeah. You know, if that client's been loyal to you, you got to be loyal to that client. And that may mean foregoing something else. Okay. Cool. And you can't worry about what your competitors are doing. I think that's important too. That's something I've tried to tried to instill in my own mind. You know, you look at what some of the other firms are doing out there, what contracts they're picking up, how much they're getting paid, how they're doing their work. But you have to be authentic to yourself and you have to do things the way you believe you could serve your clients best. So dwelling on what somebody else may be doing or what piece of the pie they're bringing in, it's not going to do you any good. It's a waste of time really, it's isn't absolutely it? Yeah, a waste of time. Absolutely. What I'd like to talk about maybe next is the Irish Network the USA is it I N USA Irish Network USA that, yeah. that you're um, the president of. I am. I am. Congratulations on Thank that. You've you. been holding that for a number of years. I, I have. Think. Yeah, I'd say it's been five or six years. I've been in the position. I've lost count at this point. It's, uh, and it's it's a voluntary organization. It is. It's it's a, a fully volunteer organization. It's it's a wonderful organization. Mm. We have twenty one chapters now across the country. We just launched our twenty first chapter 
last week in Dallas, Texas, okay. uh, under the leadership of a, another Cork woman named Rachel Gaffney. Okay, very She's a good. wonderful woman, and she brought a great team together down there in Dallas. And really, the goal of Irish Network is it's pretty simple. It's it's to engage what we call the global Irish, Irish, Irish Americans and friends of Ireland. We're trying to engage them to invest back here in Ireland. Okay. And we take the word invest and we take it a bit more broadly than maybe what the IDA would, would talk about. We're not just investing in business is here, but culture, sports, education, the podcasting. arts. Podcasting. Absolutely. <laughs> never Anything that, that creates, that builds that bridge, sure. you know, builds that stronger network between the U.S. and Ireland is what we're trying to do, get groups to travel over here, really to build on those relationships that have existed for, for decades, for mm. generations. Yeah. And I think, and I think our poll shows will continue to exist for many, many generations down the road if sure. we harness it the right way. Yeah. So we're in every major city across the U.S. at this point, I guess, New York, mm. Chicago, San Francisco, down to Dallas. We're in places like Atlanta and Cleveland and Las Vegas. Whoa. So we're getting into some of these secondary cities right. where the... You know, the Irish are everywhere in the United States, everywhere around the globe, as yeah, we yeah. know now. And we're trying to maybe be an extension of what the Irish government, you can only reach so many people. And when we talk about there being 40 million of the diaspora in the United States, it takes a big network to engage them. Yeah. And that's what we've set out to do. Brilliant. And so when you started in that role or even got involved, how much, like how, how much has it grown over that period of time? And were you, did you go in with a vision? Did you go in with an idea? Not necessarily, no. I, I, you know, I, I sort of got involved with it because I was just starting this transatlantic relationship. Um, I decided I wanted to have more of a business relationship with Ireland. I got to know Irish Network through the Irish Consulate in New York City. Right. And I thought it would be a good idea to start a chapter in New Jersey, hmm. which is what a few of my colleagues and I set out to do. Okay. And from there, it sort of grew. Right. And next thing you know, I became co-president of the organization. Okay. And we were, I'd say we were at maybe 10 chapters, maybe 12 at the time. Right. And we grew very quickly. We grew up to 18, 19 chapters. And we've taken a step back a little bit. We've slowed down a mm. bit. We we talk about the 21 chapters, but we have a presence in many more cities, probably 30, 35, 40 different cities. We have people that right. we use the term Irish Network or we're communicating with them in a regular capacity. Okay. So we decided to really think about how can we build a sustainable network. These networks mean nothing. If they're going to disappear in a year or two years or five years, we want this to be there in the long term. Yeah. So it's it's been a lot of hard work. It's been a lot of people putting in a lot of volunteer hours. Mm. We made a lot of missteps along the way, but every time yeah. we maybe go down the wrong path, we bring ourselves back and we figure out what we did wrong or could have done better, and, mm. and we do it right. Yeah. Communication again, it seems to be pervasive to everything we're, we're talking about, and my background is in project management. Uh, I would imagine there's a lot like. For me, communication is key, the most important thing in project management as well. Is there, was there a lot of kind of project management, I suppose, in, in the explosion of the, the chapters and trying to get that right and probably things you've learned along the way that stand out? I, I think what we've learned along the way is that we, we do better when we do have the project management, when we sort of take a, a, a step back and say, okay, if we really want to accomplish this, this is what we need to do. Yeah. Very similar to what you do in your role every day. Mm. We look at A, B, C, D, E, and F. I'm not a great planner. Mm. That's another weakness of mine. I just tend to go head in yeah. and say, we're going to get this done. Right. And sometimes taking the step back and looking at the bigger picture. And we get there eventually. Yeah. But there would maybe be a few less gray hairs, a few less, a uh, little less stress when you plan things. And that's what we've gotten better at as an organization. Right. Taking a place like Dallas, instead of just saying, okay, you're now a chapter making sure that there's something in place there that's going to last over the long term, mm. getting the right people in place, putting the plan together, and then uh, executing that plan appropriately. Yeah, and I suppose as you've gone through different chapters, 
you would develop almost like that cookie cutter approach to spinning up a chapter learning from the previous ones and knowing what's absolutely. essential absolutely while taking a look at uh every city being a little bit different mm. you know every city every community looks different and everybody wants to do something a little bit different right so whereas a chapter in new york might look a little bit more at the younger irish expats that are still showing up the j1ers and or the ones that have been there for 10 or 15 years mm. a place like minnesota would be a crowd of mostly irish americans okay um you know, well-seasoned Irish Americans that have been working at this for many, many years, they might be more focused on the arts in Colorado than they are in Philadelphia, where they really want to focus on, let's really celebrate um, business networking. Mm-hmm. The trick is to bring it all together and understand that we have this very broad mission. At the end of the day, the real mission is to bring everybody in under one umbrella. Right. Uh, Ambassador Anderson served in the United States for several years, and she referred to us as a network that was diverse and inclusive. And that's been something that we've held very close and we take very seriously that if, if you want to celebrate your Irishness, if you want to engage in Irishness in some way, Irish network is the way to do it. Okay, cool. What did you learn or have you learned most from that role as president and, and what maybe, what has it pushed you outside your comfort zone in some ways that you had to learn? That there's a lot of different personalities out there and you have to be able to accommodate different people's personalities Again, my way is not always the right way. And that's that's been a hard thing to accept <laughs> that sometimes I do need to take a step back and that I can't do everything myself. Yeah. You need to take the step back sometimes and trust somebody else to take the lead and get things done. Um, the fact that the Irish community, we don't think of it as being diverse, but it is a very diverse community. Mm. When you're talking about 40 million people, they're very different. They think differently. They act differently. They want different things. And the trick is to be able to harness all that and bring it together in something that's functional, uh, that supports the Irish government's efforts to engage the global Irish mm. and is, is going to last. And do you see similarities between your role as president in the, the INUSA group and your role that was in um, when you were serving in the in the, the legislative role? And, and in the role that I serve in as, as president of Lennox Consulting. Yeah. It's all communicating with people. Yeah. It's all just getting out there and, and developing that message and getting it out there mm. and talking to people and I think the key to it all, no matter what job, and this isn't just me, this is all of us, communication is all about developing meaningful relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just, it's not this idea of passing business cards, but it's actually thinking about how can we support each other? Yeah. How can I help you? And maybe that'll turn into something good for me, but my focus has to be on helping you first. Yeah. And that's something I've carried with me probably from day one. Yeah. Have you done other training and courses that kind of tweaked or developed your communication skills over a period of time? Through, through the years I've done um, different ones I'm looking at my books up here and, but uh, the the um, like presentation skills or negotiating skills or you're no. nodding there no it's just... I haven't I haven't <laughs> done any of those sorts of things no I mean you obviously take the classes in college you take those sort of public speaking classes mm. uh, but I've, I've never taken any training courses I think it's it's thankfully something that does come, and I, I wouldn't say I'm the most gifted speaker either I mean, right, I'll, right. I'll be very clear about that I'm not the most gifted presenter but it is something I'm willing to do and I'm comfortable doing it. Uh, I, I think the important piece is to be authentic and to be natural also. Mm. So sometimes you get caught up in taking some of these classes or reading some of these books yeah. and they want you to present yourself in a particular way yeah, where yeah, they yeah. tell you how to hold your hands or, yeah. or what words you should be using and, and that mm. sort of thing. And if it's not natural, people are going to see through it quickly. Absolutely. So I hope that I present myself in a natural way, in a comfortable way. Uh, in, a, in a not maybe well rehearsed way maybe it should be better rehearsed at times but yeah. you know I, I feel like if I know what I want to talk about and it's of relevance to the group yeah. 
it's it's your message is going to get through yeah i think there's a shift in a way though now where you do see a lot of online videos of people presenting go back to like gary vinerchuk or, or one of these guys that are just get up they just speak it as it is it's what they believe it doesn't have to be polished you don't have to be in a suit you don't right. have to move your hands and wave right. them around now i wouldn't condone exactly every thing that gary v says especially the amount of f words and bombs and stuff he throws out you know but but it's it's his way and there's well, no yeah wrong i, I way think a guy like gary we like we know him by first name yeah, but yeah, I, yeah. i've certainly seen his youtube videos as well and i would agree with you on on his uh on the language that he uses sometimes and that's all part of his shtick and yeah. and that's a little bit part of what we all do you know we all are creating a bit of a persona for ourselves sure. i guess yeah um and and i don't know what gary v is like in his real life i don't know if that's really him or not yeah. I was listening to a, a radio show yesterday that I had recorded, and there was a, you may recall, a singer named uh, Alice Cooper. Yeah. Back, yeah, he back has his own day. show, doesn't he? He, he? he probably has his own show. He was yeah, a guest yeah. on a different radio okay, show, okay. but he was he was talking about how he really had to recognize that there's a difference between the Alice Cooper on stage and the Alice Cooper, who's the coach of his son's baseball team, for him to be able to thrive in the business and, and survive in, in many ways as well. Yeah. So there is that little bit of that. Gary's got his, his shtick. Steve Lennox has his shtick, I guess. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, you have to. It has to be somewhat natural. It has to be believable. Yeah. And and people know that more so when you come off the stage and how you treat them when you're off the stage and what you actually produce um, after you've had those conversations. Yeah. You know, after you've you've lectured to ten thousand people. Sure. Yeah. I, I I agree, and I just think, and I'm not. We're not talking about Gary V anymore, but <laughs> I think he. Uh, He's pretty much 24-7 online at the moment. So you, you think that's what, what it's all about. But the amount of content he creates, he's, he's taking over. And you like, can't take away from a guy like him. I mean, he's, he's very successful, obviously. Absolutely. So yeah. that's that's what I was sort of hitting on before. You can't you can't adopt somebody else's style. What works for him would never work for me. Of course. You know, but yeah. it works well for him and, and good for him. And, and I yeah. hope he can do it for a long time. He's, he's yeah. obviously influencing a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. new generation that's coming up, absolutely. they're hugely... Like they're saying it's... You know, it he's giving out MBAs just through his content. Right. But anyway, okay, we leave Gary V alone. Maybe if you meet him over in uh, this, in, in New, he's a New Yorker as well, in New Jersey, isn't I he? I think he's New Jersey. I yeah, believe yeah, yeah. so, yeah. He is, yeah. If you see him, just let him know. Tell him he said hi. Tell him he said hi. spotted Rob of the Green. <laughs> That's it. Um, so maybe we talk about the survey. Sure. Uh, that, that you've done through the business sure. at the moment. So give us a bit of background and, uh, you know, obviously talk. let's talk about some of the, the sure. results. Sure, yeah, and we won't bore people with too many statistics. But the reason we set about to do this, and I, I did this with a colleague of mine named Matthew Creighton, who uh, has his own company called Politics, and he's in the business very similar to mine. He's a couple years younger, another um, natural networker. He's he's gifted with the analysis, but we've, and he's, he's done a ton to help Irish Network USA, which which we always appreciate. But we're always uh, looking at ways to communicate with people to fully understand what it is we're doing with Irish Network, um, what the real potential is with a group like Irish Network. And instead of spending Irish Network money on this, we decided to go out and do it ourselves. We, we do polling, we do analysis, and we develop messages. So we put out a survey, and we did it over the course of a couple of weeks. It was an online survey. Mm-hmm. I think we got responses back from, uh, I want to say it was 800, 850 people. So enough, enough yeah. to make it statistically significant. significant. Yeah. Absolutely. The mathematicians will tell you how that works. You have to get one of them on the I phone. Don't know. I but... just noticed that those two words together sound good. Absolutely. Anyway, so, yeah. so yeah, so the numbers came back in and, and we tried to do it last year in New Jersey. And I, I think the universe was probably too small. So we did go nationally this year. And and the numbers are, as you'd expect, you know, 58% of the respondents said they planned on celebrating St. Patrick's Day. Right. That's a huge number. 
And yeah. this is just, it's not, it's it's open to everybody, right? This is open to everybody. This yeah. is something, one of those things when you click on yeah. Irish Examiner, the poll pops up when you spend a few minutes taking this. Yeah. So, yeah, so this was open to everyone. Uh, now, what does that mean that they're going to celebrate St. Patrick's Day? Mm. For 80% of them, that means simply they're going to wear green. You're wearing okay. your green wearing right now. Green now. And Robert that's, that's going to be so, their yeah. little their little show of loyalty to Ireland. Yeah. And that's a great thing. Yeah. 44% of them plan on eating Irish food. Right. What does that mean? I don't know. Yeah. To a lot of Americans, probably means corned beef and cabbage. They have no idea. <laughs> potatoes. What's, uh, potatoes, yeah, yeah. yeah. They have no idea what's really happening here in the culinary world of sure, Ireland. Sure, sure. But when you dig a little bit deeper into those numbers, I think we have to take a look at the fact that this this not even goodwill, this great will exists towards Ireland. People mm-hmm. love Ireland. They love the idea of Ireland. So we need to harness that. Yeah. And we need to say, okay, great. You want to wear green for St. Patrick's Day? Let's get you off wearing green. Let's get you wearing Irish brands. Sure. And there's a huge movement on Twitter called the Wearing Irish Movement, uh, started by a woman in New York named Margaret Malloy, okay. who's a wonderful marketer who you may want to talk to at some point. Right. And she's built this following based on having people wearing Irish designers through the month of March. In March. Perfect. All, all yeah. through March. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. And whether it's, you know, for a man cufflinks or a tie or for, um, you know, the skirts, everything else. Sure. But we can really celebrate that. When we talk about eating Irish food, it shows that there's a huge market in the States for the Irish brands. We already have the Kerrygold there. We've got the Brennan's bread. But there's an opportunity to bring in more. So we need to look at this time around St. Patrick's Day and figure out how do we really harness on this goodwill and not let it leave on March 18th. Mm-hmm. We need to keep it going. That comes to a marketing strategy. Yeah. Um, one of the numbers that came up again, 77% said that they want to travel to Ireland at some point in the future. Right. Huge, huge numbers are huge. coming here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Tourism Ireland, I tell you, it's record-breaking every year. Yeah. And that is a wonderful organization. They've got wonderful people selling Ireland. But we got to keep harnessing it. We can bring more here. Yeah. Let's get them to stop thinking about coming to Ireland. Let's get them on a plane. Mm. Let's get them directly into Cork. Mm-hmm. Let's get them to Dublin. Let's get them to Shannon. Let's just get them on this island. And yeah. this is the time to do it. Yeah. So those are the sorts of the numbers that the poll came back with. And it's uh, it's not going to be easy. And there is a lot of effort towards it. Yeah. But we have to keep these efforts coordinated. And we can't forget March 18th, that March 17th happened. Yeah. It's got to be a year-long effort to keep engaging. Sure. So the outcomes and output of that survey is... Does that develop a like an action plan for for your for business or for INUSA? Both, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. And we're certainly looking at it from a business perspective. I think there's opportunities from uh, a Lennox Consulting politics side to potentially work with some Irish companies that want to be doing more in the states. Yeah, I think there's opportunities to work with organizations that want to engage more with the Irish Americans. I think a lot of the work um, with Irish Network also lends itself to that. There's opportunities to bring over high-level speakers with Irish Network, the platform exists for them. Yeah, You know, they can visit any of these cities. Mm-hmm. We tend to want to go to Boston to go to New York. But this Irishness is everywhere. Yeah, You yeah. know, and this goodwill and this desire to want to do business with Ireland exists. Yeah. No, it sounds, uh, it sounds cool. And as you said, there's, for, for somebody that's living over there and knows what is the pulse is like over here, you can see that opportunity probably firsthand that Absolutely. Is, is kind of jumping out. Brilliant. I guess in your role, one thing that came up there, you you mentioned your colleague talks about the data and I get a sense from you, communication, you get a sense from people. That's right. You read them, interpret them through intuition versus the data. So there's a good good mix between those two. Talk to me maybe even a little bit about that or I suppose when you come to 
meeting with people and deciding if they're going to do business with you I, I like I'm fascinated about intuition and where that comes from does it play big into your decision making it process? absolutely does you get a quick sense I think you get a quick sense from people they're not there's somebody you want to work with you have to want to work with your clients because you have to believe in what they're selling yeah you know, everybody's selling something whether it's good government if I'm working for elected officials or it's a product that they're trying to sell to someone so from the business side I think it's important that we feel good about who we're working with they also have to feel good about us. They need to know we're going to be there. And that's something you can only you can only get from the face-to-face stuff. That's why I wanted to meet you and do this podcast in person. Yeah, yeah. You know, we could have done it over the phone, but yeah, the yeah. idea of sitting here with you and looking yeah. at you when you're talking to me, yeah. you know, I kind of get a little more sense of what you're thinking, what's coming next, sure. how you're reacting to things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this has been a positive conversation oh, yeah. so far. You're, that or you're doing a really good job faking it for me. No, no, no. But, but you get a sense when you're looking at somebody, when you're in the room with them, you know, they're you're projecting yourself back off of them. I think a little bit, mm. um, and and you just you develop something that matters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm absolutely in agreement, and delighted that we could do absolutely. it face to face. And and obviously, through the questions and through your answers, that's where I get that sense of your interest and your in, intuition and how that kind of plays into um, your discussions. I suppose in your day job today, or any given day or week. Of all the different skills or focus areas or services you provide, is there any one that you enjoy doing more than others? I enjoy talking to people. I enjoy being out there and just, just being with somebody is what I enjoy doing. Okay. And it's a funny sort of things. I don't necessarily I, – I find it exhausting at the end of the day. And I know you talk a lot about the introvert, extrovert yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. My wife talks a whole lot about that. Yeah. And you try to analyze each other. And Are you introverted? Are you extroverted? I do thrive on being around people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also find it incredibly exhausting. Yeah. You know, this conversation has been wonderful, but I can't wait until we sure. go home and we pass out now. Yeah, this is, it, it takes a lot of energy. Does, and does. people don't realize how much energy having these conversations has mm. if it's going to be real. You know, yeah, it's, it's yeah, just draining. Yeah. So you're, you're taking a lot out of yourself. Yeah. But I, I do enjoy being, and I enjoy being with different kinds of people. Mm. You know, meeting you tonight is fascinating. Mm. I enjoy the work I do back in New Jersey. I'm doing some... Uh, press sort of work. I own a newspaper now in Patterson, New Jersey, an online okay. newspaper. Okay. And I'm meeting entirely different people than when I was working with one of the big Dublin law firms. Mm. You know, and, and it's fascinating just to deal with different folks. A variety. A, a variety. Yeah. You know, but we all sort of want, we all want to go home to a comfortable house at the end of the day. Yeah, we all yeah. want to feed our family. Yeah. You know, our, our intrinsic needs aren't that different. And once we can sort of get that, mm. and most people are good too. That's the other thing we need to realize. Yeah. Most people are good people. And when we can cut down to it and, and figure out what is the good in somebody mm. you have a much happier life and i think a much better life yeah and, no. a, and a more successful business yeah and and again if you're living to what you're passionate about and what you're if it's authentic and you put the energy into it that's all you get satisfaction out of it right some days can be draining absolutely and you don't get anything out of that's it either true. um but but just picking up the introvert extrovert stuff i, I always go down and just finish reading that book called quiet by a lady called susan kane which mm-hmm. is all about I've, introverts I've heard them all from Aoife, absolutely is, is so so i'm guessing your wife is probably on the introvert side she, she would very much be on the introverted side and and she, and and we talk to the kids about what that all means but at the same time she's uh she's she presents herself very well she's she's a lecturer right with, with yeah. dit right um so she's got no problem getting up in front of yeah. people yeah, and, yeah. and presenting a message in a very clear and coherent way and imparting her wisdom on it yeah but you know she's not the first one to go out and yeah. uh you know, want to get on stage necessarily. Yeah, no, that that's it. Like I've learned so much from that book and the studies that have been done around it, around it's okay to, you know, a lot of lecturers are introverts and they're just up for that hour or whatever. But as soon as that's over, they just want to be 
alone so you can exactly. you can turn it on for turn a while you just don't want to yeah. be doing it all, all the time and going back to your point being an expert i interviewed a guy recently for this one of the episodes that w- will be out by the time this comes out and he talks about being an extrovert and the energy he gets as a as a trainer is from all the people in the room right you know so it, it is uh and then there's an ambivert which is in the middle where you can and I, I think be. that's probably where i i land okay you know but there is something um you know, and I don't know if this, this sounds egotistical or not, but there's there's something amazing and, and very energizing about being in front of a room and having people listen to you. Oh, you yeah. know, or, or being able to have a conversation with thirty people talking back at you. It's 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 great for the it's great for the ego, first of all, that they actually want to listen to you. Yeah. Um but it's they're not gonna want to listen to you if you're not being real. So that's it, it all comes back to that. It all comes back to being authentic. Yeah. We keep talking about that, being real people pick up on that real quickly yeah and 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 that's that's an important leadership trait to develop that people they want to be around you mm. you know being the guy who's the loudest in the bar or the yeah. you know guy who's leading the sing song at, at 1 30 in the morning mm. they're not always the best leaders they may be the most noticeable in the room yeah, yeah, or the yeah. guy that's working in the room picking up every business card and, and you know we talk about that all the time yeah that's that's you know not successful leadership that's not successful networking yeah but if you're in a room talking to 30 people and I imagine you're doing it in INUSA and you're doing it in your business and you're mm-hmm. doing it in some of the other societies you're involved in, it's you're really there to help others as well, yes. you know, so it's not about you, That's it's about right. everybody in the room and people pick up on that as well. When I was in Dallas last week and we were launching Irish Network Dallas, it was talking to them, you're right, it wasn't about me, it wasn't about Steve, I'm president of Irish Network USA, Um, it was... Irish Network USA is now in Dallas, and this is what we're bringing to you. Yeah, you want to be a part of engaging your Irishness in some capacity in a real way. We're bringing you that opportunity, and yeah. that's that's it's good that you bring that up, Rob, because that is important. It's it's what can you offer to other people? It's yeah. it's giving a lot more than taking. Yeah, and then I think there's less pressure on you as the person at the top of the room because it's not what you're about, and that's where the ego piece for me. I'm putting myself in your shoes in that perspective. I'd be much more relaxed up there telling people. I can help you figure out what your core values are, as mentioned right. before, rather than telling these are my core values and that's all that matters. Right. So it's you know it's the it's the mindset, I guess, as well. We talked about so many things that you're involved in, and the question of work life balance is one I like to ask. How does uh, that come together, or how do you manage? Probably that? not as successfully as it should. Yeah. Again, it's it's a very difficult balance, and and my wife will often chide me for having the phone on too often, and it is tethered to my hip more often than it should be. You know, part of the the benefit of of this cross uh, transatlantic commuting is when I am in in the U.S., I am fairly free to to keep that on all the time, and yeah. and there's not the pressure of, of of dinner on the table, which is a wonderful thing to have. I, I love getting here yeah. and knowing that we're going to have that family dinner, um, putting the kids to bed, turning off for a little while. I'm not as good at it as I should be, and I think yeah. most of us have that weakness. I mean, it's just, it's just the age we're in yeah. where we have this instant access to information and. And this constant need to be pleasing people. Mm. So, um, you know, I, I'm happy with my life and I'm happy with my business and I'm very happy with my family, of course. So that's hopefully the work-life balance. The fact that I do have the time to take the kids to Coder Dojo tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of dads are working just as many as hours as I am. Yeah. Um, I get to switch off a little bit when I'm over here. You know, right. of course, the hours are a bit different. But that time walking the kids to school, picking them up, it's, it's, it's special. And that's, that's important time. Okay. And and we do need to find more ways to do it. And I'll be the first to raise my hand and yeah. and say I, I probably need to, you know, I may look back at some point and say, you know, I probably could have spent more time with them. Or yeah, yeah but yeah. that's yeah, no, it's 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 important. But as you said, I think when you do, you don't have that sense of guilt. I suppose when you're away 
in the US and you can 100% or 80% of your time focus on that right. maybe it's a little bit harder maybe when you're when you're here but you're cognizant of it absolutely how do you how do you get so much done in the day though what what do you have techniques or approaches to be highly productive i love uh, asking this you one. like to be highly productive yeah, yeah. um Again, I think I could be a lot better at it. You know, I, I'm not one of these people who makes lists. I just kind of go through the day and I okay. do what I need to do. And I'm constantly bouncing from one thing to the next. Right. But that's what works for me. Yeah, yeah. You know, some people need the whiteboard like you have <laughs> yeah. up there. Yeah. Uh, my wife is big into lists and check off. And there is a gratification There's, that comes with checking things off the list, right? Some is. people love that. But I, I thrive on doing 10 things at once. And, right. and you know, sometimes mistakes are made and, and you go back and you fix them. And I, I do try to make a list. Okay, these are the tasks that need to be accomplished over the course of the week. I don't necessarily do them in order because another crisis erupts. Okay. You know, I'll be working on one thing and all of a sudden this client's calling me and it's got to be done like that. And you've got to be able to Switch. pivot quickly yeah, and, yeah. and get to the next stop. And you've got to be comfortable with that as well. You've got to be comfortable being able to move from one thing to the next. Again, when you're dealing with a variety of clients or a variety of interests, a variety of needs, you need to be comfortable moving very quickly from one to the next. Because what yeah. one client is dealing with is much different than the next client. Yeah. But if we think about the core service of Linux Consulting being communicating those mm. skills don't change yeah you know being able to communicate no matter who you're talking to you can develop that message and you can get it out there if you have those those core skills and the ability to to deliver it mm. the approach so if, if a customer comes to you and says they have to communicate x y and z or there's a crisis that that they want you to front up do you have a methodology that you typically use or a lot of it is feeling your way through it at least for me okay at least for me a lot of times it's talking the client off the ledge a little bit too you know what's a crisis for them might not really be a crisis so it's maybe playing a little bit of psychologist maybe Mm. you know and getting them to take a step back and say okay I, i know you think this is the issue but let's really take a step back and let's really think about what really is the issue is this really as big a deal as you think it is are you looking at it you know in a jaded sort of way, can we change your way of thinking a little bit? Mm. Talking them down, talking them off the ledge is just as important as, as putting out that media response or, or writing that speech or reacting in an immediate way that they want to react in. Yeah. But but even that, you mentioned psychology. Have you developed or learned psychological techniques for that? Or again, is it, it coming to I, you? I think a lot of it comes naturally. And this okay. is being able to sit with somebody and have that trust, yeah, you know, yeah. the, the fact that I trust them. I'll often say to my clients, you need to tell me the whole story. Mm. You know, I had a situation today where I was talking to a particular client. They had to deal with a, a situation. And, and I said, tell me the whole story. This isn't all going to be, it's not all for public consumption, but I need to understand the whole picture mm. so we can really formulate what the plan is to get through this situation. Yeah, so yeah. that's where the trust piece comes in. Trust going both ways. Mm-hmm. You know, trust, the honesty, yeah. you know, the, the, the faith, yeah. the understanding that, You've hired me because you believe that I know what I'm doing. I work with you because I believe in what you do. Mm. So let's let's figure this out together. Mm. There's an element of coaching in that. You know, you, you talked about your wife into the coaching. I mean, it's coaching, but you're you're asking the person to talk out loud yes. all the stuff that's going on in their heads that they're probably crisisizing or criticizing or going crazy yeah. about. But when they talk it out, sometimes it's not as bad. Absolutely, and you kind of unravel it. So there's there is coaching in there in is what coaching, you're doing. yeah, and, yeah. And, and you get into some deep conversation with clients sometimes, and it it does sometimes it goes down a very personal road with them, and you realize that there's there's personal issues that are coming up that are affecting the way they're looking at a particular crisis that's just erupted. Yeah, mm, fascinating stuff. What's the hardest decision you've ever had to make? The hardest decision I've ever had to make. Any jump into mind? I've made a lot of tough decisions. I, I guess tough the decision. The most difficult one, yeah. 
you know, the decision whether or not I should be living in Ireland full time or if my family should move back to the States is a constant decision that we're that we're debating all the time of what makes the most sense. And, and for now, this is the plan that works. Right. It doesn't mean tomorrow this is going to be the same right plan. Okay. Um, but that's 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 a constant tough decision. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's times I, I have to leave on the 20th or whatever it is. Yeah, the 20th. And mm. there's times I say, you know what, maybe it's time to just pack and then to stay here. Right. But I don't believe long term that's the best solution. Okay. I don't think the best solution long term for our family situation is to pack up three kids and mm. and my wife who's who's very successful here and three boys that are very happy here and moving them out of their environment. Right. So yeah, so that's a tough decision. Uh, saying no to potential clients is always a tough decision. Mm. You know, sometimes you have to say no or you have to say not anymore right. with clients because they're just they're draining you more than anything else. Okay. Yeah. Those There's are lots couple. of ones that come There's, up. Yeah. Yeah. When I, uh, I I generally like to ask a question around advice. You mentioned mentors and people you've learned from along the way. Is there any anyone that sticks out where you've been given kind of a nugget of advice that you uh, you took on board that maybe make a decision even? Yeah, I, I think I've gotten a lot of advice over the years. Um, you know, I remember Mayor Cahill in New Brunswick, who was one of my first real bosses, always sort of beating the drum. You know, don't bring me the problems, bring me the solutions. So you know, it's it's a very cliche sort of thing to say. But when you're 22 years old, it's very meaningful. And, and when you get that through your head, you know, we have to look at the solution before we really dwell on the problem. Mm. So that was always a good piece of advice. I'm, I'm sure over the years, people have given me the advice to be honest with people. And that's something you just learn because you know that's what people want. Yeah. But be honest, be authentic, um, be forthright. Mm. You know, I, I can't say any one or two people have said that to me, but that's certainly advice that's that's come down the road. Yeah. No. That's, that's a good yeah, one. Yeah. You talked about some of your, your key strengths around communications. And is there any areas that you find opportunities to develop and grow in and how yeah. you approach those? Yeah, sure. Um, I, I think we talked about it. I think I could grow in understanding that my approach isn't always right. And mm-hmm. I, I do have to let go sometimes, yeah. whether that's with personal stuff with the family or professional. And it's just a matter of, of doing it and letting the grip go a little bit. Um. I certainly don't poo-poo what we talk about as excellence in coaching and all your books up there. Uh, that may not be my style, but it doesn't mean that my style is better. I might do better from reading some of those books. I might pick up some skills that I don't have now. Mm. Um, when I get up and I, I do have to speak in front of a crowd, I'm, I'm not somebody who rehearses a whole lot. Right. And I, I think that's a style that's worked for me. Yeah. It doesn't mean I want to do well to spend some more time rehearsing these things. Yeah. It, it's funny. Cause, you know, I did a media training for about 20 female candidates in New Jersey last week. And that was one of the things we pounded into them was you need to rehearse, rehearse, rehearse. Right. And here I am cold. Yeah, you know, yeah. Even coming here today, my wife said, did you think about the questions he was going to ask? Did you rehearse questions? Did you rehearse answers? Yeah. And I just, I like to let it flow a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Maybe if we thought about some of these questions, maybe I'd have more coherent answers for you. Yeah. But, no, it's better um, when you don't, I think. Yeah. You know, yeah. preparation isn't always um, as thorough as it should be. Yeah. But I, I know at the end of the day, I'm, I'm getting done what I need to get done. Yeah. Yeah. And, and do you learn, do you become more comfortable in... And I'm not saying being unprepared, but I guess when things coming at you, you can't, sometimes you can't prepare for them, so you're probably more natural to be able to respond very quickly. I, I think I'm more comfortable being not unprepared, as you said, but unrehearsed. Yeah. You know, because I, I think if I try to rehearse too much, then you tend to look down, you want to read your notes. That's why, you know, when you ask me poll numbers, I'm I'm not quick off the bat with that. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't want to be sitting here ruffling a piece sure, of paper. Sure, so, sure. So it's not unprepared. It's it's unrehearsed, and it's, it's uh, comfortable in, in knowing that you have your talking points that you want to talk about and that this natural conversation is ultimately going to be the one that's going to 
hopefully interest more of your listeners and yeah. you know develop into something for us along the way absolutely and yeah there's certainly no real uh, editing needed in this and that's always oh, good thank you. that's always thank good you. for for me uh, <laughs> i don't have to splice it up too much after um i'll just finish up on a few other ones you mentioned you're looking at books around me i always have a new page on the website book recommendations that people mention and uh hopefully people can buy them on on, on the uh through, through the links on the site is there any book one or two things that you've had as a bible as one that you'd read that and that could be the bible but yeah. uh, <laughs> i wouldn't anything. say necessarily a bible and i'm not a great reader either you know to be honest with you but i just picked up a book again that i read back in college called oliver plunkett of tammany hall okay and that was very much a textbook on tammany hall was the old political machine in New York City, it was Tammany old, Hall. Tammany Hall is the old Democratic machine. Okay, and I'm just fascinated by those sorts of politics. You know what they call machine politics, and what that book is a very short book. You'd read it in the course of a night, probably. Right. But it was this this guy who had you know four or five public jobs at once, and he sort of um, pontificated in front of a reporter while he was getting his boot shined. And it's just that sort of learning how people think is what always fascinates me. Yeah, so yeah. reading a biography, how they think, how they've gotten through certain situations, I find interesting. The Godfather is a book that I've loved reading. Hmm. You know, I mean, that's a great study in, in politics and relationships. You know, terrible business being done, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it's a certain way of thinking, of, of moving through a business, yeah. you know. Um, so, yeah, those are the sorts of books I, I would pick up. Cool. Yeah, it's just, uh, I was always fascinated that that question uh, gives me so much extra reading to do. And <laughs> I have a long list, believe me. What does success look like for you in the future and where, where do you want to take the business or what's kind of next on your radar? I'm happy with where the business is now you're always looking for the next client you can't get complacent as we talked about before because as quick as you get a client somebody else you know politics comes into play in a lot of my clients right um, situations change and they don't need the services anymore I've run out the course of what I need to do for them mm. but right now that the business is paying the bills I'm not really looking to build a multinational public relations firm or anything I'm, I'm happy being right now I'm a solo practitioner yeah I'm happy with that we're paying the bills we're happy with what we're doing we we have the nice house in in mount oval and yeah. we're living well in new jersey and Good. you know we're not we're not rich by any stretch of the imagination but we've got what we need yeah and, and what else is there really sure we're paying the bills we're comfortable we're taking a nice holiday in a couple weeks right you know the kids don't want for anything yeah um that's that's the most important i'm happy at work okay i, I think that's i think there's a lot to be said for, i like what i do yeah, yeah. and I, I don't know how many of us can say they wake up in the morning and and for the most part, look forward to mm. to what's coming ahead of them. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think that is success in lots of ways to be able to uh, look forward to what what's Absolutely. coming for, for the day ahead. I'll, I'll end with a, an interesting one that I like to ask, uh, and again, it goes back to influencer uh, people that maybe influence you or, or you admire. If you could bring two people to dinner, that doesn't include your wife, no. Some, <laughs> uh, some famous people, uh, alive or dead, that uh, you'd like to have dinner with and pick their brain and ask questions and learn something from i think somebody i'd love to meet would be uh martin luther king right uh just what he went through you know through the civil rights movement and and what he stood up to and what he was willing to put himself in front of and, and the movement he led i think that's fascinating he moved people mm-hmm. and i would love to talk about how he did that how he got his message out there communication isn't communication it? Yeah, absolutely yeah. i mean he was so eloquent and so gifted in what he did and and you know you watch him speaking in front of i guess it was the lincoln monument I guess is where he gave the I have a dream speech mm-hmm. and, and to listen to how he could just capture people's imagination is absolutely fascinating. Mm. I think Donald Trump would be fascinating to sit down with for a few minutes, you know, <laughs> discuss it by his, his politics. Yeah. Um, 
but his his way of moving people is absolutely fascinating. Mm. I mean, he has captured the imagination of, you know, I think all things being equal, I think he'd be reelected re if we had an election tomorrow. I still think people would vote for him. Wow. He's got this ability to move people. So yeah. I think it would be fascinating to sit and have a chat with him. I don't know what you'd get out of him, yeah, but it would yeah. be fascinating. Wow. You know, I'm sure there's a long line of celebrities um, that yeah. would be fun to talk to, you know. Guy like Elvis Presley, you know, it'd be fascinating to sit and talk to a guy like that. What he went through, yeah. yeah. Um, Queen Elizabeth, I think, would be somebody fascinating to talk to. How she's, you know, served in that position for what seventy five years yeah, or 70, something. Yeah, Unbelievable! Yeah, yeah. How she sort of managed to maintain the decorum that she has for the most part. Yeah, you know, it's 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 fascinating. Royalty to me is fascinating. How that all works. Right. So she'd be somebody. The Pope would be somebody. Anybody who moves people, I think, would be fascinating. <laughs> and again, the Pope, I'm not. You know, we don't need to get into religion, sure. but I'm not a practicing Catholic, but a guy who has some sort of influence over, I don't know, a billion Catholics around the world yeah. to have a conversation with a guy like him and to see how he's, power to have. yeah, how he's striking at the hearts of all these people that are, you know, so they find him so endearing and, mm. and are really mesmerized by what he's trying to do with the church. And he's, he's creating this movement within the Catholic church, which isn't an easy organization to move in either direction, yeah, but yeah, he yeah. seems to be doing it in a very meaningful way. Yeah. It's fascinating what, what like maybe each of those people that you've mentioned, there's probably some similar trait running through them all, as you said, being able to move people. What are those key skills or competencies right. or behaviors yep. that they have that yep. make that up? Um, and where does it come from even? You know? Where does it come from would be, that's what I'd want to try to get to the bottom of. Yeah. Um, brilliant. Look, Steve, I really enjoyed that i thought Thank that you. was a, a great hour i'm delighted that, that we were able to do it in person yeah um, great rob i normally wrap it up by just giving you a chance to talk about your business how people can get in touch sure, sure. follow you on your very popular twitter feed and any I, other be, ways i'd be very happy to communicate with anyone at, at lennox consulting and again that's one n that's l-e-n-o-x consulting i'm on facebook i'm of course on linkedin uh lennox consulting we love helping people put together strategies to communicate with a wider audience so if, if anybody thinks i can be helpful with that please reach out to me whether it's in the states in in ireland or wherever else we're a mobile world now so we can communicate wherever we are i'd also encourage anyone listening to take a look at irish network usa if they would and that's also we have a good following at twitter at irish network usa mm. we're also on facebook wherever you are across the united states we've probably got a chapter for you close by so i hope they'll uh all of you our, our listeners will consider consider joining up and being part of of a pretty successful network brilliant yeah, thank you yeah. Rob. thanks steve and uh, i think about 40 percent of those that listen are outside of ireland it's great so there's a good a good chunk majority of that 40 percent are probably in the u.s so you never know who, who listens Absolutely. and who picks it up and uh, if they do listen to this and can connect in over that'd be great for them to let you know how they, they heard because it's always good to hear Absolutely. where it comes from yeah Brilliant. See, we leave it there. Thanks so much. I hope you enjoy St. Patrick's Day and when we put this out uh, in a few weeks' time, um, hopefully people enjoy listening to it. I hope so. Thank you. Thanks a million. How was that? Did you enjoy it? I hope so. If you did, please like, share and do all that other good stuff that only takes a second on social media but means an awful lot to me as it spreads the reach. You can get the details from the show in the show notes on the website robofthegreen.ie. In there you can share the show out with 
others. I really just want to touch on three other quick things. One, feedback. I learned so much from it. Without it, I can't improve. Please give me a bit of feedback, positive, negative, constructive. Would you recommend a book? Do you have any other ideas for guests? How about more video? Let me know what you want and I can make it happen. I will try. That's number one. Number two, sharing is caring. This year, I'm making more of an effort to try and expand the reach. Facebook, there's a page and there's a group. The 1% Better Community on Facebook is where I really hope new listeners go to share ideas, comments, in general things that they could help others with. That's what it's there for. Follow me on Spreaker.com. That's the new host. I'm on Twitter, growing not exponentially at all, but slowly. So please follow there. I'm on Instagram. All of these are at Rob of the Green. LinkedIn, Rob O'Donnell. Get in touch. Would love to hear from you. Number three is about support. So I'm offering a few hours a month pro bono free coaching to those that can't afford it that need some coaching that want some coaching if you go to the website the support page click on the pro bono link on the flip side of that where you guys can support me go to patreon.com the rob of the green page you can make a donation there you can get access to exclusive content which i'm adding all the time that would be awesome anything you contribute will go back into the show to make it better make it more than one percent better also there's the option to buy one of those books that were recommended through the website which will bring you to Amazon, which will get you the normal links, which will get you the books at the normal price. But supposedly, Amazon will give the show a small donation every time a book is purchased or anything for that matter, which is great. So finally, I just wanted to say thanks so much for listening. I know it's difficult to make improvements, to push things forward, to get outside your comfort zone. I'm trying to do it all the time. I hope that every listen and every show and every guest that is on gives you something to take away that you could apply, adopt and adapt into your own life to create a new habit, to make something better. Don't overreach. Small improvements. 1% is enough. And thank yourself for making the time to listen to the show. It shows you're interested in learning, improving and getting better, even if it's just 1% at a time. Have a great day and good luck.